Six bodies were found in the ashes of a Los Angeles area home on Christmas Day. On Christmas Eve, a gunman dressed as Santa Claus opened fire during a party before setting the house on fire. On the 24th of December, 2008, Christmas Eve, the Ortegas gathered in their Covina home in Los Angeles for their annual Christmas Eve celebration. As the night went on, the festive spirit filled the air and the room was filled with laughter and love. Three generations had come together to celebrate the Christmas holidays. However, no one was prepared for what was about to happen. Just at the stroke of half past 11, the doorbell rang and eight-year-old Katrina ran to the door. As she flung the front door open, she saw Santa Claus standing there and she squealed excitedly, saying, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. The Santa that was stood in the doorframe, however, was armed with four handguns and in the blink of an eye, he aimed straight into the little girl's face and he pulled the trigger. As he continued raging through the home, he opened fire at the unsuspecting family, taking the lives of nine people. Ma'am, ma'am, I understand. I need to know your address. My daughter's been shot. She was shot in the face on the side and she's bleeding. I know. I, I let the officers know. The officers are making sure it's safe for the paramedics. Oh, you bandaged me. Please come immediately. I don't know who else is surviving. I know, I know, ma'am. Just stay on the phone with me, okay? My whole family. There's 30 people, 25 people. I know, I know. Who was this mysterious this is the devastating story of the Ortega Christmas Family Massacre. Bruce Jeffrey Pardo was a 45-year-old born on the 23rd of March 1963 to his mother Nancy Windsor. Bruce was described as someone with a kind heart, with neighbours saying he was the nicest guy you could imagine always a pleasure to talk to, always a big smile. Even an ex-girlfriend in high school described him by saying, he was a very easygoing person, a very friendly guy. Bruce was a religious man and he served regularly as an usher at the evening mass at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Montrose. He was a good citizen with no criminal records, but in reality, Bruce Pardo was a truly evil and disgusting man. In Bruce's early years, he graduated from John H. Francis Polytechnic High School in Sun Valley before studying electrical engineering in California State University in Northridge. As a young man, he worked at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Despite Bruce being incredibly smart, he didn't do so well at work. He had terrible attendance and he spent a lot of time digging through the company computers and looking at the private files he did not have access to, often looking at other employees' salaries and their tax information Bruce was clearly obsessed with money, and this carried on throughout his entire life. At his job at JPL, Bruce met a woman called Delia, and by 1988 they were engaged to be married. By this point, however, Bruce still lived with his mother, Nancy, and he claimed that he was not in the best financial shape, so could not contribute to the wedding, despite earning a really good salary at JPL. Delia, therefore, agreed to pay for the wedding herself, and she also purchased them their flights and hotel to Tahiti for their honeymoon. When the day of the wedding came, however, Bruce did not turn up, and he left Delia waiting at the altar. As it turned out, Bruce had also withdrawn $3,000 from their joint account, and had gone on a trip to Palm Springs. 
Following this failed relationship, Bruce continued to date different women, but it wasn't until 2001 that he started to slightly settle down again, when he met a woman called Alina, and together they had a son who they named Matthew. However, things quickly took yet another tragic turn, when on the 6th of January 2001, when Alina left Matthew in Bruce's care, so that she could go grocery shopping. When she returned, she found Bruce cradling their unconscious son in his arms, and Matthew was said to be limp and blue. Bruce claimed that whilst he had been watching TV, their 13-month-old son, Matthew, had fallen into the backyard swimming pool. Alina asked if he had performed CPR on their son, and Bruce said no, so she grabbed Matthew from his arms and rushed him to hospital, where he was thankfully saved. Tragically, however, due to the time that had passed, Matthew suffered severe one-sided brain damage due to a lack of oxygen, and this caused him to lose the use of his arms and legs, and he would spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. Following the event, Alina and Bruce broke up, but Bruce refused to pay any medical fee for his son, which had then amounted to $340,000. Naturally, Alina sued Bruce's homeowner insurance, winning about $100,000 in damages, and she used this to pay part of the bills. She also opened a trust fund on Matthew's behalf. Bruce was so angry that he had to pay towards his son's care, that he completely cut Alina and Matthew off by the year 2002. Bruce's mother, Nancy, however, was appalled in her son's behaviour, and she continued to try caring for her grandson. Bruce, however, turned a blind eye to this, and continued to live his life, dating different women, and turning his back on his past. By 2004, Bruce was introduced by a co-worker to a woman called Sylvia Ortega, and they immediately hit it off, and by January 2006, they were married. Sylvia had just come out of a previous marriage, and she had three children of her own. Nevertheless, Bruce's and Sylvia's marriage blossomed, and the two were almost inseparable. They lived together in a beautiful house with Sylvia's children and their dog, Saki. But whilst things seemed to be going well, things quickly soured for the couple, when Bruce refused to assume financial responsibility for her three children. He argued that he did not have any children of his own from previous marriages, so why should he spend any of his money on her children? At the time, Sylvia worked at a flower breeding company, making around $31,000 a year. Meanwhile, Bruce was making roughly $122,000 a year as an electrical engineer at his new job at ITT Electronic Systems Radar. As tensions grew, another financial issue arose. Bruce refused to open a joint account with Sylvia, despite them saving up $88,000 together. By December of 2007, things were really not looking good for the couple, and Bruce had become incredibly cold and distant with Sylvia. Sylvia had also started sleeping in a different bed to him, and she spent most of her time with her own family, rather than Bruce. With the relationship suffering under financial stress, Bruce's mother Nancy decided to tell Sylvia about Bruce's past. Nancy had grown quite close to Sylvia by this point, and she felt she needed to say something, so Nancy broke the news to Sylvia that Bruce had another son from his past relationship. Naturally, Sylvia was so upset that her husband had lied to her, and she soon found out some more shocking information. Whilst going through some tax papers, Sylvia stumbled on a dependent tax filing by Bruce, where it claimed Matthew as a dependent, which clearly benefited Bruce for tax purposes. 
On discovering this secret, Sylvia became disgusted with Bruce and she didn't want to be held liable for his tax fraud, so she moved her and her children out of the home in March of 2008. Shortly after this, as Sylvia's daughter's school was closer to Bruce's home, she asked Bruce if she could continue living with him until the end of the school year so her daughter could finish kindergarten. However, while attending a relative's birthday with her daughter, Bruce tossed all of their belongings in the driveway whilst they were out, and this was the last straw for Sylvia, so she decided to file for divorce. In her divorce papers, she stated the reason, saying, the situation had become untenable and continuing the marriage was not an option. Adding to the filing, she also asked that Bruce pay her attorney fees and a monthly spousal support of $3,166, claiming that Bruce had drawn down their 88,000 savings to $17,000 in two months, having transferred the money to a private account. In June of 2008, a divorce court ordered Bruce to pay Sylvia the $3,166 in spousal support. That same month in June, Bruce confided in a friend that Sylvia was taking him to the cleaners. Bruce quickly started resenting Sylvia, and in June of that year, he purchased his first gun, a 9mm semi-automatic handgun. The following month in July, Bruce lost his job at ITT Electronic Systems Radar as a result of his fraudulent act of filing false hours, and so he quickly began drowning in debt, and he was unable to find a new job. Bruce complained to the court, begging to be granted unemployment benefits, claiming he had a monthly expense of over $8,900 and ran a monthly deficit of $2,678, coupled with a credit card debt of $31,000 and $2,700 monthly mortgage payments. In his filing, he wrote, I was not given a severance package from my last employer at termination, and I am not receiving any other income adding that he was desperately seeking work. However, his request was not granted as he had been fired from his previous job, but they did agree to reduce his monthly payments to Sylvia, lowering them to $1,785 per month. However, he still had to pay an additional $3,570 for missing past payments. Bruce wrote a check to Sylvia, but it bounced, and he never tried to pay her again. Despite complaining of his finances, Bruce was said to have acquired another 9mm handgun on the 8th of August. In California law, a person has a mandatory waiting period of 30 days before they can acquire another gun, hence Bruce Pardo had to wait another month before purchasing his third 9mm gun on the 8th of September. He also ordered a custom-made Santa suit from a local tailor, telling her it was for a children's party. The following month, on the 11th of October, after waiting another 30 days, he purchased a fourth 9mm semi-automatic handgun. Later that month in October, Bruce visited a friend in Iowa where he was said to have purchased 16 magazines that held about 18 rounds each, more than was legally allowed in California. During his visit to his friend, he opened up about his messy divorce and expressed how angry he was at the whole situation, especially saying how angry he was with his mother Nancy and how she had sided with Sylvia rather than him. He also told his friend how he was in horrible debt and how embarrassed he was every time his bank accounts were put on show during the court proceedings. 
On return back from his trip to visit his friend, Bruce acquired a fifth handgun after picking up his custom-made Santa suit. Just one month later, on the 18th of December 2008, Sylvia and Bruce had their final court meeting and the messy divorce proceedings came to an end and settlements were made. Whilst Bruce was given the house, Sylvia was awarded a $10,000 payment from Bruce and custody of their dog Saki and Bruce was ordered to give her back her diamond ring. Now this settlement did not sit well with Bruce, who tried to paint Sylvia in a bad light by saying that she was undeserving of the settlement as she was apparently now living with her parents, not paying rent, had recently spent lavishly on a luxury car as well as apparently taking a luxurious trip to Las Vegas where she had eaten meals at expensive restaurants, gone for massages and even taken golf lessons. However, his complaints were dismissed by the court and so an angry and rageful Bruce went ahead with his twisted plan and on Christmas Eve, he took the lives of nine helpless individuals. On the 24th of December, 2008, just a day before Christmas, Sylvia's parents, 80-year-old Joseph Ortega, who in some sources is called Jose Ortega, and 70-year-old Alicia Ortega, hosted a Christmas Eve party at their home at East Nolcrest Drive in Covina. The Christmas Eve party was an Ortega Christmas Eve ritual, which Joseph and Alicia had continuously hosted for several years. Joseph had just retired earlier that year and one of his sons had taken over the family business, so this was an extra special year to bring everyone together. Joseph and Alicia had a large family, including five children named James, Charles, Letitia, Alicia and Sylvia. Excited to celebrate the merry and festive season with the family, all the Ortegas and their children and grandchildren arrived early in preparation for the evening and in total there were about 25 people there. After the Christmas Eve dinner, some of the Ortegas rounded the dinner table to play a game of poker, whilst others watched TV. Meanwhile, the younger kids continued playing outside in the backyard, while one of the grandkids, 17-year-old Michael, played on a computer upstairs. At around 11.30pm, just half an hour before Christmas Day, the doorbell rang. Catching a glimpse of a man dressed as Santa Claus, Katrina, the eight-year-old daughter of Letitia, squealed excitedly, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, as she flung open the front door. As the door opened, standing before her was a man dressed in a Santa Claus costume holding a gift wrap package. Before any pleasantries could be exchanged, the Santa, who was armed with four handguns, pulled one out and shot Katrina in the face twice before springing hysterically into the sitting and dining room, shooting simultaneously at the party guests. On hearing the first gunshot, the adults downstairs immediately tried running for safety. However, more sporadic gunshots continued, catching most of them in the crossfire. One of Sylvia's brothers, 51-year-old James Ortega, was hit in the chest and he fell to the floor. While still shooting manically, the Santa's headgear came off, giving away the identity of the shooter, and standing before them, in a Santa Claus costume, was Bruce Pardo, Sylvia Ortega's ex-husband. Sylvia's brother, Charles, shouted, It's Bruce! just as Bruce shot him too. Despite both Sylvia's brothers being shot, they tried to pin Bruce down to the ground, but they were overpowered by more gunshots. 
Sylvia and her sister, Alicia, took cover under the dining room table, and they were shortly joined by their parents, Alicia and Joseph, but it was no use, and Bruce fired directly towards them, hitting them all. As they laid on the floor bleeding out, Bruce walked over to them and shot each of them in the head. Letitia, Katrina's mother, the eight-year-old who had answered the door, narrowly escaped to the neighbours, immediately calling the authorities for help. In her call, she identified the shooter as Bruce Pardo, sobbing uncontrollably for help. What do you think his name is, Bruce? Bruce Pardo. Okay, and who is he to you guys? Who is he to you? He is, he was, he's my ex-brother-in-law, he's there twice with this right now. He came in through the entrance of the door, and it was a Santa Claus suit, and I didn't see them when he shot. I heard the shots, and we, they were like poppers, and I wasn't sure what it was, so we all... Meanwhile, back at the house, in an attempt to escape the vicious bullets, one of the grandchildren jumped from a second-story window, breaking her ankle in the process. Now satisfied with his mass shooting, Bruce Pardo unwrapped the gift box that he had been carrying, and inside was a homemade flamethrower. Using his engineering skills, he had basically converted a rolling air compressor to release high-octane gasoline from it. After covering the whole house and the bodies on the floor with the high-octane gas, the fumes immediately hit two of the fireplaces, which both had open flames, and the house immediately caught fire and exploded. Bruce had not planned this to happen, as he had underestimated how much gas had spread, and his Santa suit immediately caught fire, causing the plastic lining to melt and to fuse to his skin. In agonizing pain, Bruce immediately left the house, got into his rental car, drove 40 miles away to Silmar in San Fernando Valley to his brother's house, Brad Pardo. By the time authorities and firefighters arrived at the crime scene, Bruce Pardo had left and the house was completely engulfed in flames. The fire at the house had begun to soar even higher than anyone could have imagined, and it took about 80 firefighters over an hour and a half to extinguish it. Letitia immediately told them that she had seen the face of the shooter, saying it was her sister Sylvia's ex-husband. A neighbour also said he saw a man drive off in a blue Dodge Caliber car after the shooting around 11.45pm. With this information, they immediately went about searching for Bruce and the blue car. Meanwhile, when the fire was eventually extinguished by the firefighters, the authorities devastatingly discovered nine burnt bodies. Most of the bodies were severely burned and charred. We are also do not have identity. We will probably have to do uh, both dental and medical x-rays to uh, do comparisons to ide identify the uh, deceased. The bodies were so intensely torched that they were uncertain who these individuals were, and they could only be identified through dental and medical records. However, after a headcount of the Ortegas, everyone knew who the nine missing individuals were. The victims included Sylvia Pardo, who was aged 43, 70-year-old Alicia Ortega, and her husband, 80-year-old Joseph Ortega, both of whom were Sylvia's parents. Sylvia's eldest brother, 50-year-old Charles, and his wife, 45-year-old Sherry Ortega, were also recorded missing 
as well as Sylvia's other brother, 52-year-old James Ortega, and his wife, 51-year-old Teresa Ortega. Sylvia's sister, 46-year-old Alicia Ortiz, and her 17-year-old son, Michael Ortiz, who had been playing upstairs alone on his computer, were identified as the final two victims. It would later be discovered after forensic examination that Sylvia and her mother and father had died as a result of fatal gunshot wounds, while the remaining six had died from a combination of gunshot wounds and fire burns. Three other family members were wounded, including eight-year-old Katrina, who had been shot in the face, but incredibly, Katrina survived her gunshot wounds after the bullets had torn through her cheek and jaw. Meanwhile, Bruce Pardo drove 40 miles away from the crime scene to Silma, San Fernando Valley, where he parked his blue rental Dodge a block away from his brother's house. Inside the car, he removed his now shredded Santa suit, ripping his skin off as he pulled the melted fabric away. Pardo was uh, severely injured during that explosion. He suffered third-degree burns on both arms. It also appears that the uh, Santa Claus suit that he was wearing did melt onto his body. As the burns intensified and the pain worsened, he knew that his initial plan of escaping was now unlikely, as he probably wouldn't survive his injuries. So he then entered his brother's house, laid on the couch, put the gun in his mouth, and pulled the trigger. At around 3.30am on the 25th of December 2008, Brad Pardo, Bruce's brother, returned to his home after attending a Christmas party, and here he found the half-burnt body of his brother, Bruce Pardo, lying on his living room couch. Brad immediately phoned the authorities, reporting what he had witnessed, and they quickly arrived. The authorities inspected Bruce's body, and they noted that Bruce had taken his own life as the bullets were the same as those found on his gun, and the angle of the shot was perfectly calculated to that of his hands. A toxicology report also confirmed that there were traces of cocaine in his system. Two of the guns that he had used were also placed beside him, and they also found $17,000 taped to his leg. On him, they also found a plane ticket to Canada, and they subsequently discovered that the flight itinerary was from Los Angeles to Illinois, and it was scheduled for Christmas morning at 12.20am, just half an hour after the mass shooting. Now, I'm not 100% sure this is correct, but some sources say that at Brad's apartment, they also found a list of names of people Bruce had intended to kill that night. On this list was apparently two familiar names, his mother, Nancy, and Sylvia's lawyer. Now, I'm not sure if that part is completely true, but authorities did believe that Bruce was potentially planning to murder his mother too, as Bruce knew Nancy had been invited to the Ortega's Christmas Eve party that evening, but luckily, as she had fallen ill, she could not make it. Meanwhile, they also found a second car in Bruce's name at Sylvia's lawyer's house in Glendale, and inside this car, they found several gallons of fuel tanks, clothes, a laptop, a desktop computer, and a map with directions to Mexico. We found a, uh, another car associated with the crime that was rented by Mr. Pardo parked in the city of Glendale. Uh, what we've determined is that car was parked within several hundred feet of uh, Mr. Pardo's ex-wife's divorce attorney's home. Authorities believed that maybe he intended to kill the lawyer after the massacre before fleeing to Mexico, and that maybe the flight he had booked to Illinois was a decoy, but as his injuries had been so bad after the fire, 
he couldn't fulfill this plan. He intended to commit this crime and then flee the country. Uh, and what it appears is that he didn't anticipate uh, injuring himself to the point where obviously he took his own life. Back at Brad Pardo's house, they found Bruce's blue rental car parked a block away, and inside they found the Santa suit on the front seat. On closer inspection, they realized that the Santa suit had been rigged because they also found roughly 300 rounds of ammunition, a pipe bomb, and a booby trap that was rigged to a flare, and there was gunpowder sprinkled around. They believed that if they moved the suit at all, the flare would ignite and the car would blow up, and so the bomb squad was called. Now again, it's not clear if the bomb squad intentionally triggered the trap, or if this was done by accident, but the trap was indeed triggered, and the car was burnt to a crisp. The authorities then finally searched Bruce's home, and here they discovered what was described as a virtual bomb-making factory. They found five empty boxes of semi-automatic handguns, a container of high-octane fuel tank gasoline, and two shotguns. And just like that, the case was solved. It was clear to them that Bruce was the murderer, and he had taken the cowardly route out. Following the murder, as the prime suspect, Bruce Pardo, had taken his own life, no trial was held, and the case was closed. In the wake of the massacre, children from four Ortega lineages were left orphaned, leaving Letitia as the only surviving child of Joseph and Alicia. That horrible night, Bruce Pardo made 13 people orphans. But amidst the tragic event, Katrina, the young girl who had opened the door and who had been shot in the face, luckily survived after getting surgery, and in the years that followed, Katrina became a gun control activist fighting against gun violence and protesting gun reform. Being able to really fight for something that is truly, truly close to my heart is very different. I just knew I had to keep fighting and I knew I would live my life to the fullest for each one of my family members and everybody affected by gun violence. Especially with Christmas time, it's been something of light now. It's something my family continues to celebrate instead of look down upon. Speaking on her son's actions, Nancy Windsor said, I have to be honest with you, I'm having trouble holding myself together. Anything that our family realizes, from Bruce's vehicle, from the money on him, whenever that's released, everything is going to my grandchildren. I want it for my grandchildren. Following this tragic event, for the Ortegas and the Covina community, Christmas became a stained memory in their hearts, and it became a time filled with dark memories of grief and profound sadness. Bruce Pardo was a heartless monster who believed he deserved better, despite being the cause of his own downfall. What did she have that he could have wanted? She had nothing. She came home, put her clothes in her car and her kids, literally. He had the house, he had the cars. What could she, what, what could he have wanted? It's hard to believe that someone like this even existed. Someone who could so heartlessly and wickedly shoot at children and innocent partygoers who were just having a good time during the festive season. Bruce took this image of Santa Claus, a figure loved by many, and ruined it for the whole community. Following the murders, more than 1,500 mourners turned up for the funeral of the nine family members, and later a private funeral service was followed at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Covina. Family friend Eddie Perry said, The Ortega family is the closest family I ever met. They were always the ones to get a good time started. Vivian Young, a 16-year-old classmate of Michael Ortiz, the 17-year-old who was killed, said she saw the solidarity of the relatives unable to hide their sorrow but determined to recover from the tragedy. She said they were holding back, 
holding together, trying to be strong for everyone else, trying to get through it together. But I assure you that the acts of this madman are not going to define Covina. Outside the crime scene, orange ribbons adorn the trees in this Covina, California neighborhood, a sign of solidarity for a community now bound by grief. I just let them know there's mean people in the world and there's good people, you know. There's nothing else we could tell them, but reality, this is reality. And you hear something like that in the news and it, it crushes everybody. It's clear this vicious attack impacted the community. And I'm sure they're still thought about today, especially around this Christmas period, that my heart goes out to everyone that was impacted by Bruce Pardo's terrible and evil actions. And as always, rest in peace, Alicia Ortega, Joseph Ortega, Sylvia Ortega, Charles Ortega, Sherry Ortega, James Ortega, Teresa Ortega, Alicia Ortiz, and Michael Ortiz.